grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up With The Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. And how has your week been, Michelle, so far? Oh, it's been absolutely manic. I am preparing to go on holiday next week, so I feel like I'm doing three amounts of work, three times the amount of work necessary, even just to break even if that makes sense to go on holiday. So I'm very, 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 I want to say stressed, but I'm not. I'm in control, but I'm I'm feeling the pressure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> okay, so as the weeks have gone on, we have been covering the Royal Roundup and then going into your Royal Community Questions. And that is going to be the same format for today's episode. But we want to talk about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, because as you've heard, I'm going on holiday. So we have today's episode, which is a normal episode for us. And then next week, we are going to be graced with the presence of a Royal Community member, Rach. I'm so excited. So excited. We recorded this (laughs) at the weekend and it was just a brilliant time we had all round. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to be putting in these special episodes which we're calling the royal community spotlight we'll be getting a member of the royal community to come on and talk about their love of the royals and it was something that we've always wanted to do with the podcast to get other people on and have different opinions just to have a discussion about the thing that we love the most and that's the british royal family so yeah that's what's coming up next week and we have the crown season one special coming it's coming we recorded it i said to rachel can we keep it under an hour and we ended up recording for like two and a bit hours so uh... (laughs) (laughs) when talking about the royals and especially the crown there's no way it can be kept under an hour no way at all it's too much to dive into yeah we were hoping to get that to you by today but actually um it's a long episode but it'll be worth the wait so trust us it's in the works we've recorded it and it'll be coming very soon okay this is time for the royal roundup so let's start with prince charles he wrote a letter of solidarity and support to haiti's pm Dr. Ariel Henry. And he also gave an interview last month at his home in Wales, Lewenremod, and he had an interview with Simon Armitage for The Poet Laureate Has Gone to His Shed. So it was on BBC Radio 4. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, also on the BBC Sound app. And if you need any of the links, because you'd like to listen to it, they'll be in the show notes. So if you need that, just click along, as well as any of the um, links, patronages or charities we mentioned today. And we also got to see the horse corridor at Calamit's house, and which was created in the 1870s. And the decor pays tribute to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Yeah, and this this corridor is, it's just basically a corridor going from one room to another. But it was full of like, it's it's. I don't know whether it's silk because you can't really see it, but I'm I'm guessing it's silk, Um, red silks on the walls. And then everything, every painting, every sculpture you see is horses. And I was living for it. It was brilliant. 
Yeah, we've said before, we're going to go to Clarence House next year, most definitely. It's one of those, um, it's not obviously as grand as, say, Buckingham Palace, but I think it's got a, a more homey feel, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a family home rather than a, a working residence. Yeah. Also this week, the Duke and Duchess of Rothsay, as they are known in Scotland, which is Charles and Camilla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> side note. <laughs> had an engagement where we saw them opening... Ballater Community and Heritage Hub. And Charles was dressed for the occasion wearing a very fetching kilt. Ooh. And I'm guessing that the tartan that he's wearing is part of the uh, Rothsay heritage, like the, the name. Yeah, I think like the family, the family tartan, that's what they call it, don't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like the colour of it as well. Yeah. And Camilla was in a very fetching outfit. I wasn't 100% on this look from Camilla, um, but she still looked nice overall. Yeah. And then in celebration of the return of poetry together, Camilla shared her recipe for a Victoria sponge cake. Woo! I love a cake. Yes. Love a cake and a good classic British cake. Victoria sponge. Victoria sponge cake. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I know what I'll be making at the weekend. <laughs> if you do, stick a picture on Instagram for the Royal Community. Yeah, page. definitely. This initiative was launched by Giles Brandreth, who we see many times talking about the Royals, most recently on the BBC for the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral. Mm. And the Poetry Together initiative aims to unite people of all ages through the power of poetry. Amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing stuff. On the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's socials this week, they've been cheering on the GB Paralympics at the Tokyo Games. And uh, they had nods to Dame Sarah Story, who won a 15th gold medal. Congratulations. Well done, Sarah. <laughs> yes, go on, Sarah. And they also highlighted the work of Sports Aid in supporting the athletes, too. Also this week from William, he praised a former Royal Marine, Sean Ivey, who lost his home in an arson attack. And William wrote him a letter and said it was reprehensible what had happened and said to the veteran that he stands by him and that he was heartened by how the public rallied around Sean's family mm. because the public has raised over £300,000 wow. for Sean and his family to rebuild their home which is absolutely fantastic wow and sean said if our own royal family are recognizing this problem in our society i think other powers that be should also take more swift action to eradicate it here here so again it's not something that was on the actual cambridge's socials but it was picked up by other media outlets yeah and um, so it's good to know that even though the royals are on their summer break they are still technically working we're just yeah. not seeing them so they are carrying on behind yeah. the scenes what a, a wonderful way of um, adding your support to somebody especially an arson attack he's did you say he was a marine yeah he's a ro royal marine for over 15 years oh let's hope he can get back on his feet as soon as possible Moving on to the Royal Socials, they have been keeping the theme of music again this week because we had the theme of music last week and they were highlighting the Queen's Medal for Music, which is presented to an outstanding individual or group of musicians who have had a major influence on the nation's music. Now, they also had a video of the winner of the Medal for Music in 2019, who was Gary Crosby. And he was talking about what it means to him to have won this. And he also met the Queen and was told that she likes acoustic instruments. Uh, and he also said it was one of the best days of his life. I just love <laughs> this. I mean, if I met the Queen, it would be best day of my life as well. Yeah. 
yeah um he also played jazz at the palace with young jazz graduate musicians from his own tomorrow warriors development program which he co-founded and he did this to champion emerging new jazz artists and i think this is wonderful i just i mean yes it was an old video it was from 2019 but it's just lovely to hear it was the best day of his life and for him to win that medal that means a lot you know yeah and i think it's great that this is being highlighted especially at the moment when people that work in the arts are really struggling still with the effects of covid and not being able to work for the past year or so great that it's been highlighted this week also they highlighted the investors given to musicians including dame hoods to dame vera lynn and dame cleo lane who fyi does not live far from me dame, dame ah! cleo lane <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact you do a little name drop. Name drop. People <laughs> are like Cleo Lane. Never heard of her before. She's a famous jazz artist. And knights her and knighthoods to Sir Paul McCartney and Sir Van Morrison. Yeah. And we learned that the Royal Collection Trust holds more than one hundred historic and extraordinary musical instruments, from a violin given to Prince Albert in eighteen forty six, from renowned musician Domenico Dragonetti to grand pianos and didgeridoos. Oh, yay, didgeridoos. And let me just say that the Royal Collection Trust is a treasure trove of in, like interesting information. And you'll know, dear listener, if you've been listening to podcasts from the beginning, you know I love clocks. <laughs> you know I love the Royal Collection Trust. So I'll pop the uh, website in the show notes and you can have a look for yourself because it's absolutely wonderful. It's also been his royal highness the duke of gloucester's birthday this week so a big happy birthday to the duke of gloucester so it was announced today that the royal national lifeboat institution have announced that their new state-of-the-art lifeboat will be named after the duke of edinburgh and the queen has been patron of this charity since 1952 and the duke of kent has been president since 1969 as um, a role he succeeded both from his mother and father in his role oh so a nice little bit of a family connection but this is honoring prince philip for all of his um, maritime effort and um, his service and support of the royal navy throughout his career it's quite melancholy isn't it to hear hear his name again Mm. um but it's nice as well it's yeah it's nice that he's being recognized and he's getting the recognition especially as we've said before you know he had a very successful navy career and today we found out that harry gave a speech last night at the gq awards and he was there urging the government to do more to vaccinate poorer countries and he said as people sit in a room with you tonight more than a third of the global population has received at least one dose of the vaccine. It sounds like a major accomplishment, and in many ways it is, but there is a huge disparity between who can and cannot access. So there was a bit of a um, tiny bit of a backlash because he was sitting in his mega mansion giving this speech about the vaccine. <laughs> but then again, all these other people were in the same room in it. And it was a bit awkward because Piers Morgan was actually in the audience. Oh, goodness me. Wow. Tension. And we found out yesterday that he has been acquitted of his um, slander against the Duchess of Sussex. And that was in relation to the Oprah interview where he basically said he didn't believe her about her mental um, health 
um, statements, shall we say. Yeah, but he is really harsh to Megan. Like, he calls her Princess Pinocchio, which I can't help but laugh at. It's just so ridiculous. But he does take it to the next level. And I've seen Piers Morgan on TV so many times even before the whole Harry and Meghan thing. And there's so many times I've just wanted to say, shut up. (laughs) I want to throw a shoe at the telly sometimes, to be honest. And also, do you know the person who always picks the opposite side just to have an argument with someone? I feel like he's that type of person rather than actually believe in what he believes. Let's move back to Harry and his awareness of vaccinating the world and yes it is it is your right to say you don't want to be vaccinated but also people do want to be vaccinated but they don't have access to the vaccine this is something that's very close to harry and Meghan's heart and it's actually part of the archwell focus they're focusing on getting as many people vaccinated as possible and i actually don't think it matters that he's in the mansion there's plenty of people in mansions all over the world not saying a word so for me i'm like i'd rather him speak up and maybe be called out for X, Y, and Z than actually not say a word at all. So that's, yeah, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, and I think at the moment, even now, it, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't with Harry, especially mm. in the UK, a lot of people do still have bad feelings towards him. So no matter what he comes out with, if it's if it's going to be like a raising awareness for this um, cause at the moment, it's still going to get backlash because it's Harry where if this had happened Mm. before the interview and before him leaving the royal family and the institution, he would have been praised for this. Yeah, and I think Harry and Meghan are a very polarising conversation in in the UK. If I if I remember right, people I've spoken to, especially in America, for instance, they have a very different opinion of Harry and Meghan. But I think that's also because our media is very different and the narrative is very different. So, um, yeah, so that's Harry. I, I love the fact that we heard about this speech. I'm glad you brought it to our attention, Rach, because I didn't know about it. <laughs> Let's move on. We had... Oh, we had a bit of a ruckus outside of Buckingham Palace this week. Have you heard about this, Rach? Oh, how disgusting was this? I saw this and I was like, no, I'm not for this at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about it. Um, Animal Rebellion protesters painted the Buckingham Palace fountain in red paint, accusing the Queen of having blood on her hands. The protest was to symbolise the blood on the hands of the Queen and the royal family crimes against animals and our planet. Sedora Hargita, who is the co-founder of Animal Rebellion. And she goes on to say, we believe crown land should be used to grow healthy and nutritious food for all of us. We cannot resolve the climate crisis without resolving the animal crisis and food crisis at the same time, which are all interlinked. Now, I'm not being funny, but the royals are not the only people that have land in this country or across the world. There are so many celebrities that own acres of land or different houses. So it feels a bit unfair that they're just targeting the royals. I mean, let's put it this way. If they hadn't have done this protest, we wouldn't be having this conversation and their cause wouldn't have been in the spotlight so although I disagree with how they've done it and what they've done actually if sometimes that's the only way to gain this type of publicity now I I do sympathize with them I'm a massive animal lover the royal family have had a history of hunting which I completely disagree with his farms are rented to so many farmers out there but also it feels like a mute point I think they just went with uh this you know this protest because they knew it would be the most clout 
rather than say a celebrity who has like three acres of land. And we are finishing the Royal Roundup with this Spencer trailer. Wow, wow. (laughs) So last week we spoke about the poster and then I think a day or so after we got the trailer and it wasn't until the end of the trailer that we actually heard Kristen Stewart with her Princess Diana accent. And I remember saying to you, I was like, what did you think? You're like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) well I think one of my one of my first initial thoughts was if they well let's put it this way it's very cinematic Mm. it's beautifully shot the um the costumes you could tell that no expense spared but if they're only showing that and not the dialogue or not any of the plot what's that saying what is that saying but then, you know, I'm always going to be a bit of a hater towards Kristen Stewart. I try not to. Yeah. Um, and I will give her a chance. I mean, if she's good, I'm going to put my hands up and say, oh, you know, she did a brilliant job. But then there were so many people who were like, she got the accent spot on. She's going to win an Oscar. Oh, no. Um, I mean, no. take a step back. Let's watch it first. <laughs> Let's watch it first. So she says the words, they don't. And she says it in a very posh way. I'm going to reserve my judgment of her accent until I actually watch the whole film. As a trailer goes, it makes me go, oh, wow, that's really cinematic. What is it about? Yeah. As trailers go, it didn't really tell you much about the film, does it? Yeah, it doesn't give much of a storyline. It's basically her being, you know, chased by the paparazzi. And it's nothing new. It's nothing that I haven't mm. seen before. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And um, yeah, I'm... I haven't got high hopes of Kristen Stewart got got me on it. <laughs> but then I actually um I read today an interview with the one of the producers of the film that said they had two act- other actresses in mind but they wouldn't do it because of who the person was that they were going to be portraying yeah. and that Kristen Stewart obviously wanted to play the part so I would have it's interesting I would have liked to know who those other two actresses were and if they were British actresses as well it doesn't bother me whether they're British or not it bothers me whether they play the role well and that's it doesn't bother me that they're British but I think that was the whole point that the producer was making was that these actresses were British oh okay I see what you mean so yeah so we'll have to wait until November as we always say watch this space I mean Michelle really are we going to actually pay to go and see at the cinema I don't know I I don't know but it's (laughs) going to be worth my money So that's it for the Royal Roundup this week. Let's head on to the Royal Community Questions. So our first question is from Ryan Hertz from Oregon. And he asks us, what is your favourite tiara? Oh, I'm going to pass this one to you, Rach. What's your favourite tiara? I love the Cambridge tiara also known as the lover's knot mm. and it's been replicated throughout many adaptations we've seen it in the crown but we've also seen it worn by princess diana and catherine and it was actually created for queen mary in 1913 by the house of garrard from pearls and diamonds that all were already owned by the royals and i just think this is just like a beautiful tiara it's got pearls it's got diamonds two of my favorites what more could i ask for <laughs> and it's just such a regal tiara 
to me yeah. there's some of them um like the actual because it's a quite a big tiara some of them I don't really like a thin tiara if I'm, if I'm going to be wearing a tiara I want it to be go all out yeah you want to be like bam here I go yeah like <laughs> I'm in a tiara and what <laughs> <laughs> My favorite tiara is actually the Greville Emerald tiara that Eugenie wore on her wedding day. I just love that pop of color. Sometimes they can be, oh, I hate to say bitty, but I want like a full tiara. I want it to be really structured and to frame my face. And I think if you have like loads of uh, bits coming off here and there, for me, it just doesn't feel um, structured enough. And I want that. I want to feel powerful. I don't just want to feel pretty. I want to feel like I can rule the world in this tiara. <laughs> and I feel like if I wore that tiara, it would bring that sense to me of like, oh, I've got this. Like, I feel like a Wonder Woman pose, you know, whilst I'm, <laughs> I've got the tiara on. <laughs> but let's put it this way. I think Eugenie looked beautiful on her wedding day wearing that tiara. And I don't think, especially with the British royal family, there's any ugly tiaras. Sometimes when you look at other, other European royals, some of these tiaras are a bit, I don't want to say odd looking, but they're not my cup of tea. Whereas any of the British royals tiaras, I'd wear any one of them. I mean, they want to give me one, you know, <laughs> I'm happy for that to happen. <laughs> I do also think though, Rachel, that's because we have a British style. So it might just be that if we were in a different part of Europe, we might really love it. Just to give you a little bit of fact, the central emerald on my tiara, I'm going to call it my tiara now, is 93.7 carats. It is huge. It's <laughs> absolutely huge. And when we went to Kensington Palace a couple of weeks back, we saw the most beautiful emerald tiara necklace and earring set from Queen Victoria, didn't we, Rach? Yes, yeah which was, they were stunning in real life. So I can just imagine myself wearing this emerald tiara with obviously emeralds, but also just the amount of diamonds on it. Oh, just amazing. This actually belonged to Greville, who died in 1942, and she bequeathed the tiara to the Queen Mother. So it belongs to the Queen Mother and then passed on to the Queen when the Queen Mother passed away. I mean, it's got lots of history connected to it. Yeah, and I think that's what's great about the royal jewels is a lot of the pieces are passed down throughout the years, aren't they? And that's why we see repeat outings from these pieces of jewellery. And even now with the Queen, you know, she might wear a brooch that she hasn't worn in 10 years. And then it's like, oh, wow, I've not seen that brooch before. But actually, if you looked back on, in the 50s or 60s, she, you, you probably would have seen her wearing that piece. It's actually very true for Diana. She passed a lot of her jewellery items down to Catherine and to Meghan. So it's wonderful to see them wearing pieces of jewellery that belong to Diana. All right. So our last royal community question comes from Bethany Davis from Leeds. And she's asked, out of all of the royal palaces, which would you live in? So, Rach, come on, what royal palace would you choose? Oh, this is a good one because there's so many to choose from. Right, if I'm going bougie, I'm going <laughs> I'm going Buckingham Palace all the way because yeah. how great would it be to say like, oh, yeah, I live in Buckingham Palace. Obviously, if I, not if I lived there full time, but the amount of history that there is and everything, hmm. I would just spend my days wandering around, looking at all the artifacts. It would just be incredible. Yeah. And to have all the little corgis at my feet. Love it. Love it. Okay, if you if you wasn't going bougie, where would you go? If I wasn't going bougie, I would pick somewhere like Sandringham because I feel that's like a safe haven. Hmm. That's their private time away from the public eye and it's a private residence yeah so 
no public can actually go in there. And obviously, we've never seen photos from inside. But to me, it comes across as quite a homey house for them Mm. it's not a house it's a blooming mansion (laughs) castle you know Um, and it was a favorite of king george the sixes so yeah i i think somewhere like sandringham but yeah buckingham palace bouginess would be in full force (laughs) oh i love it i'm gonna go real left field here and say that i would choose brighton pavilion now hear me out before you say what are you going on about Brighton Pavilion was built by King George IV as a pleasure palace, um, you know, by the seaside. And it's absolutely fabulous inside. If you have a chance to go to Brighton, definitely go to the pavilion. It's wonderful. I would love to eat beans on toast in that main dining room. There's dragons holding up the chandelier. You've got to see this to believe it. It's one of the most spectacular rooms I have ever been in it's amazing as it passed down through monarchs queen victoria absolutely hated it she thought it was gearish she didn't like any of the um she didn't like my style basically she was like no i don't want this <laughs> and so she, ott yeah i know it was it's very ott she decided to give it back to the people of brighton and now it's run by the brighton county council from what i understand so that's if i was bougie had what i wanted i would definitely live at the brighton pavilion but If I wasn't, then I would actually choose Holyrood House because it's it's got a lovely feel about it. It's got lots of woods. There's lots of um, artifacts around, but it also feels very homely. You get the formal monarch working residency, but you also get the comfort of feeling like you're at home. And I, I really like that. And when we saw Catherine and William a few weeks back on their Scotland tour, they had that um, open air cinema and that was in the grounds of Holyrood House. I just think it's a, a beautiful building and I would choose that as well. So those are my two. Yeah, so not that we'll ever get the chance to live in any of those palaces. <laughs> <laughs> but Royal Community, which palace would you live in? And what is your favourite tiara? Let us know at Keeping It With The Windsors pod on Instagram or email us keeping it with the windsors pod at gmail.com right so that's it for this week's episode we hope you've enjoyed all the royal community questions that we've had the last couple of weeks as we said previously we've got a few specials coming up and then we'll be getting back into our royal scheduling which um i'm looking forward to but it's going to be hard to keep on top of the royals isn't it <laughs> Because we are always keeping up with the Windsors. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, time and effort keeping up with these Windsors. So we hope you enjoy because we do this for the love of the Royals and the love we share with you guys that you have for the Royals as well. And with that being said, we will see you next week on Keeping, keeping Up, up with, with the Windsors. Windsors.